Hello. Welcome to the Alchemist Inkwell podcast. This is your spiritual podcast for grounded people. <laughs> I'm Emily. And I'm Crystal Lynn. And boy, do we need some grounding this week. I was just oh my say, gosh. grounded people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I have a lot of earth energy in my chart, but even this week I did my astrology dice roll where it's just like looking into the energy randomly and letting it tell me what I need. And it was Capricorn energy in the fourth house. And Jupiter's so like expand on that deep rooted comfort. <laughs> like, you know just what? Gonna, yes, that's how I'm going to do that. Just lay like, on the ground with oh, all the fuzzy things you own on. Like pile all your crystals on top of you, hug your corgis, <laughs> get your fuzzy blankets. I bought a heated coat. So I had that going for me this weekend. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so for anybody who's listening, yeah totally permission to, uh, focus on yourself. Even another, uh, astrology podcast. I listened to the fun astrology podcast by a friend of mine, uh, Thomas Miller. Um, I say friend, we took a class together, but still, um, he even said, you know, I feel like this week is a self-care week. So it's everywhere. It is in mm -hmm. the energy. So, uh, that is something to, to uh, give yourself as like an option on your list of things that you're doing this week is self-care, mm -hmm. like radical active self-care conscious yeah. getting into that. And this is coming out on Thursday of after following the eclipse. So we're going to talk a little bit mm -hmm. about like how this we've handled the eclipse energy stuff. And then we're also yeah. going to answer some questions that we got around manifestation and magic. Um, yeah. and then also give you a little bit of an outlook of what's coming your way for this next upcoming week, because it's less dramatic, but not well, <laughs> I'm not going to say less dramatic because we do have Venus and Pluto hanging out together. So that is asking for drama, but it is less, um, I'm, I can't even say less chaotic. It's a different kind of energy and it's okay, probably so less crunchy. Okay, <laughs> so be as opposed to the laser beam of focus of uncomfort that we had, I feel like it's more of like a blanket of uncomfort. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's the best I'll, way I can say for the energy. When, <laughs> when I recorded the skit for Venus and Pluto this week, because on the same day, uh, to, to that point, actually, Mercury and Jupiter will have a sextile. So an opportunity to see reason and to like really take a zoomed out perspective and find that higher concept within mm -hmm. this, uh, this aspect, which as a blanket is going to be spread out over a period of time because Venus will be stationing retrograde conjunct Pluto as well. So we're going to mm -hmm. have a long time to really get used to this energy and to apply it and applying the energy rather than just living in it, uh, is another thing that we'll be bringing up during the whole comparing and contrasting of magic and manifesting in this episode. So this actually is a really great point to uh, be bringing up right now, Emily. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad it's working out because <laughs> let, let us tell you yeah. this eclipse energy has been a bitch. <laughs> You know, it reminds me, I just as a lifestyle choice for no mm -hmm. reason, except for the fact that I was challenged as a child, I was raised to like not curse. Right. And mm -hmm. I took that very seriously as a child. But then as I grew up, other people were like, curse, come on, just for me, I'll give you a quarter. And the, the part of me that like is challenge motivated was like, no, 
no, I won't. So it became a thing where it's like, I've just decided that is my personal thing now where I don't because people challenged me to do it. And I have nothing against people who do. In fact, I have certain friends that when I really want to, so that I can stick to my guns, I point at them and they curse for me because they can just know the one I want to say. And I'll be like that one. And I feel like you just, you really filled that void for me right now. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so, so <laughs> Um, I, I do want to validate for everybody too, because every time I post a video about something like the eclipse or I post a podcast episode, so many people have varied reactions and they always get concerned that their reaction or their experience is somehow incorrect based on the energy that's coming through. And I always get like, yeah, I talk about the energy of the week that's heading your way. How you personally deal with that energy is completely unique to you and your experience and what's going on in your life and your astrology chart and where the different things cross you, all of that different stuff. So yeah, the energy of the eclipse was really intense, but that could mean that you were super productive and incredibly positive and everything started to move super smoothly for you. Or you could be like me and just enough slices, <laughs> too much stuff. Um, or you could be just not able to get out of bed and just really sad and, and having an issue that way. Like there's so many different ways that it could impact you in that space while still being intense energy. So mm -hmm. though we're going to talk about our experiences and what we've been feeling and what's been coming up for us, I don't want it to invalidate anyone else's experience in regards to how powerful the energy was and however you're taking and allowing that to work through your life is absolutely beautiful and correct because yeah. that's a thing <laughs> you honestly cannot mess anything up in your life. Not because your life is so dictated for you, but because whatever happens always works out. Even if yeah. it's a, a turn that is presumed as a wrong turn. I mean, we've all made mistakes in our lives, but my biggest mistakes have led me to be so much more loving and accepting in my life of other people. So I would not take them back for anything. I wouldn't relive them for sure. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't go back to relive them on purpose, but I would not give them up either because they really made me a better person and they made me a better, like unconditional loving being, which mm -hmm. I think is really helpful. So even if you're going through, it's 222 where I'm at right now, by the way, just saying. Oh. Um, so that's probably <laughs> a good message. Like, whatever you're going through right now, if you're afraid you're messing it up, just know either you're not, and you're going to come out as a surprising victory or you're going to come out as a surprising victory, having learned to love more unconditionally in the process. So it's a win-win all the time. Mm -hmm. Even when it's hard to think about it at the, the current yeah. moment. And you don't always um, have to. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a good point. Yeah. Um, which brings me to how we, I've been dealing with the eclipse energy. I guess we can just start there. Uh, a pipe broke under my house. <laughs> So I am at a rental house and it's been a whole bucket of energy. Um, as the universe does though, the universe immediately, my guides immediately validated that this was the right thing to be happening. They immediately sent me validation. So it's a very interesting mix of, I'm really, really exhausted. And like, there's too many things going on and I still don't even know what's really going on. And also being like, well, I'm divinely supported. So it's going to work. And just kind of sitting there with that. And then I think, and we talked a little bit about this before we hopped on about like the concept of self-care. And I have issues with the words self-care, to be totally honest, um, just because it was invented by a man who ran major corporations to convince mm. people that it was okay for them to prepare for work the next day, essentially. Um which makes me very grumpy and yeah. things like taking a shower or taking time to relax. That's just being a person and you shouldn't need to label it or take time to be a person. You just get to do that. Um, so that's me like, you know how, um, when people are like, you know, uh, 
ex-evangelicals or whatever and they're like mm. deconstructing religion i feel like part yeah. of me needs to deconstruct corporate lifestyle because i was the corporate hr manager for so long time so like anytime something comes up and it's like oh it's this corporate thing and corporate works great for a lot of people don't get me wrong but for me it was not always fantastic and so when there's concepts like that that are so just for business and um capitalism i just get very twitchy um yeah. but <laughs> it's uh oh, what was my point on that oh with self-care um it's it's sometimes an act of self-care to just be like, cool, I'm divinely supported and I'm just going to sit here on the couch and I'm going to play this video game and I'm going to drink coffee and I'm not going to let the stress stop me from doing something that makes me feel better mm-hmm. because that's the cycle we end up getting into is like, oh, but I have so many things to do. Or I need to do this or I need to do that. And I'm so stressed or whatever. If cleaning the entire house makes you feel better in that space, like by all means, if sitting there and doing nothing makes you feel better in that space, by all means, mm-hmm. if you want to bake cookies fine. But whatever it is, is um, really, I'm in that space of like self-care in the capacity of like, there's literally nothing I can do. So it's on my guides to make it better. And I told them that to their faces. I love that because there have been (laughs) moments where you just throw your hands in the air, you look up and you're just like, okay, guys, whatever you're doing, show me, I'll just all follow your lead. I'm going to chill. And you just show me what comes next. Because at this point, I've exhausted all of my attempts and I'm willing. And that's, you know, like speaking of ex-evangelical or even like a traditional Christian upbringing, they used to say, oh, give it up to God. And I remember as a kid being like, uh, no, because what does that even mean? But at, at this point, I'm just like, that's, that's where it happens for me. It's like, I've tried all the things I can think of. You show me because I'm exhausted. And at that mm-hmm. point you are, you are in the truest form in the real form. Like we should probably rebrand it because so many people may have an experience of, of not knowing where to go with it. Um, you are giving it up to God, your guides, the universe, like giving it up to something outside yourself to show you the right path. And that, of course, <laughs> the last thing we try is always when something comes up. I, I find this when writing all the time. It's like, I don't know where this is going. And my guides are just like, keep writing the scene, keep writing the scene. By the end of the scene, I'm like, oh my gosh, this character's doing this. And it opens up the story in an entirely new way. And fun mm-hmm. fact, your life works very much the same way. So just keep letting the scene play And sometimes you have a reaction scene where you are on the couch playing a video game, letting your brain rest, letting your mind rest so that inspiration has an avenue and a link to come to you Mm -hmm. or, you know, resting in a way that your energy is not clogging up the system so that the energy around you can set into a way much like it does during an eclipse that sets you up for a success where you didn't realize that was a possibility before. So like, sometimes it's about sitting back and watching the stage get set before you take the stage. And I think that that's a really great way to think about eclipses. I completely agree. And on that note, I do want to start talking a little bit about magic versus manifestation, mostly because I I didn't even tell you this yet, but I actually got tagged in a video and I didn't respond. I didn't do anything because in this video, it was someone who is an astrologer. Um, You sound really sure about that. (laughs) They are an astrologer, I think, or they know enough astrology to get themselves into trouble. Um, if you know what I mean, like they know yeah. enough to like interpret things incorrectly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about because I, I'm going to misquote this probably, but, um, because of different like eclipses being kind of a Kazini situation, um, it's a perfect time to manifest and that it's just fear-based that we're telling people not to manifest. 
And it made me want to vomit a little bit out of fear because that is super scary and you should not be advising people to to do that. And that is where the fear comes in for me of like, oh no, that's energetically very, very dangerous and not good for you. And it's going to cause a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Um, It reminds me very similarly to when Moldavite really started getting big. Like I think, what was it? February or something of this last year and everybody bought Moldavite and then Moldavite just like kicked everybody's ass. And it was like, yeah, there's a lot of other things going on at the same time, but it was also like people jumping in without any like knowledge of what it was. So uh, we got a couple other questions about like why you don't manifest during eclipse. What's the difference between manifesting and magic? And we just really wanted to talk on that, but that really triggered it for me of like, oh no, um, we really should talk about like those kind of energies coming in and the difference yeah. between like how much your life you're manifesting and what the difference in power that you have to make magic out of things and and that kind of stuff. So yeah, Yeah, I thought you would get a kick out of that. That's actually fascinating. And it challenges my perspectives, which I like, but I also have resources to support my perspectives that I get to compare that person's um, interpretation to. Mm-hmm. When I approached astrological magic and went about becoming an astrological mage, I wanted to do it in a way where I knew I was going to get good stuff, good mm-hmm. resources from the sources, you know, as, as close to the source as I could. So I truly found the person who interpreted and translated the Picatrix, the actual mm-hmm. book, the, the, the book of astrological <laughs> magic. Um, and I learned from them and this individual, his name is Christopher Warnock and he is a, a lawyer by education and came to astrological magic with a Zen Buddhist approach. So what a cool blend, right? But he's so on point with making sure that you stick to the sources because you're looking at the worldview that they had as much as you're looking at Um, the data that they were collecting and that kind of stuff. So mixing that more Renaissance and medieval perspective with my Hellenistic foundational knowledge, Kazemi is an interesting thing. And the sun, you know, Kazemi isn't almost, it's, it's a very exact conjunction with the sun. The moon will do this once a month on a new moon, Uh, but it only lasts, I believe it's like eight minutes. And so if you look at the um, it's not eight minutes time duration, it's eight minutes by degree. So if one degree is then broken down into minutes, you have that fraction of a degree when it is Kazemi for Mercury and stuff. It's like, Hey, for a certain period of this day, you may get bursts of inspiration where the sun really comes in and is like, yes, I'm going to elevate this Mercury energy and really shine a light on it. After that, you get into the boiler. Essentially it becomes combust and when a planet stands in conjunction, it's actually very well known that it is burned up. And as uh, one of the Picatrix invocations say, when they are uh, within its rays or when it stands in conjunction, they are burned up and go down. (laughs) I always like saying that part because it's like you're burned up and you go down. It doesn't do a whole lot. It is incapable of shining and being seen the way it is because Uh the sun's super bright, yo. (laughs) And, (laughs) And it's outshining that planet. So the moon blocking out the sun, which gives light to everything, Normally the sun would be shining around Mercury, but you can still see the sun when Mercury is Kazemi because none of us are like, oh my gosh, it's a Mercury eclipse, right? So we know that the sun is still doing what it's trying to do. The moon, however, because they are each um, apparent magnitude is an astronomical thing. The sun and the moon have the same apparent magnitude. If you look in the sky, they're going to be the same size, which is really cool and really unique. Uh, so the, the moon is capable of perfectly blocking out the sun, but then the sun, which gives light literally to every planetary body 
it can't do that. <laughs> so it, it, um, my mentor and I came up with this thing where if, if you're doing moon water and your no normal moon water is like a well, a solar eclipse or an eclipse of any sort is like salt water corrupting that well. You would not drink that because it has been corrupted by something that is not functioning the way it should function. So a Kazemi in the case of a moon or especially a lunar or a solar eclipse is saying, Hey, the sun is being put out of commission. The sun is not giving the same, like true, pure energy as it would normally give. So in that particular case, sorry for the soapbox, you guys. Uh, but in that particular case with that evidence and, uh, cited by like William Lilly and the Picatrix and things like that, if you want to investigate more, um, that's why in this particular case, especially since the moon moves so fast, I would not, and then this one being only a two minute long situation, you would have had to get it just right in order to take advantage of that Kazemi. But even in the case of it being a sun thing, my personal idea based on my knowledge and education is it, it doesn't work in the case of a, a solar eclipse. Yeah. Sorry also, for the long just, explanation. No, I think it's amazing. I think it's exactly what we need on that space. And also, can we just talk about how, what incredible divine celestial validation it is that the sun and the moon have the same apparent magnitude. Like I know. what? Like that yeah. is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that without knowing it, I don't think I consciously like addressed it in that space, but I did know it until you said that. I was like, Oh my God, they do. That's really neat. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's some serious celestial validation, mm -hmm. especially that these eclipses are so unique. And when they do happen, that is some incredibly strong magic coming through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was part of like the reasoning that this person had was like, oh, it's a very lucky time because it's a rare time that it occurs and that's when you should manifest, which no, um, there's just so many other times that are better and more beneficial for manifesting than it are any sort of eclipse space at all. No, you can still do magical things because magic and manifestation are different concepts. Yeah. Especially when you're not doing astrological. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're not doing astrological. So I think this would be cool. Will you tell people what astrological magic is? Because yeah. I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but especially because we're talking about manifestation versus magic, like it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> to talk about it more, please. It makes me so As happy. A proud owner of like six of your talismans. <laughs> please talk about them. They work fucking miracles. I'm so glad that they work so well for you. I, I adore them. Um, and I'm going to get into, this is one of my love language conversations. When I say astrology is my love language, this is one of my favorite things. So I'm going to look straight into the camera and just let anybody who's watching this know, <laughs> this is how I show you. I love you. So, um, <laughs> When it comes to astrological magic and talismans, you can make a talisman or even in the, in the case of one of my inherited traditions of technically magic, uh, it's called brochery and it's a pencil, Pennsylvania Dutch tradition. Uh, they called it white magic to combat black magic and protect people. They use Bible verses and Psalms and things, but you could make a brooch bag. So you would get things that have similar um, properties of similar planets and things like that. So like the same kind of herb with the same kind of rock and, and that kind of stuff, you'd put it in a bag and it would become a charm for someone to carry with them to really, it kind of like a crystal does, right? You I have my crystal in my sleeve right now. Um, but you carry it with you because it has that energy. It gives you that extra blessing with a talisman. You're taking that to a level of aligning it, not only with the properties of the material you're using, you do that too. You have to use certain color candles. You use like all of the things that are associated. If you're doing a mercury talisman, it's gotta be the mercury, um, 
incense. It's got to be the mercury candles. It's got to be all those things. And it has to be mercury timing. And so mercury has to be dignified to a certain point. And there's a certain combination of things that can create that, but technically you'd be looking for mercury in Gemini because it rules Gemini or mercury in Virgo because it rules Virgo and is exalted in Virgo. So that's why I made that extra mercury talisman for you. Cause I found a, a Virgo one and it was like, yes. Um, and I know that you have a lot of mercury influence in your chart. So I thought that'd be fun for you, but so you look for that and you look for the moon, which translates the energy of the heavens into it because it's the closest thing to us. So you have to make sure the moon is in a good good condition too. Another reason why an eclipse is not so great because when something stands in conjunction with the sun, it gets burned up and goes down. So if the moon is in that position, it's not doing what it's doing either because there's no light to give. Um, Mm -hmm. So with astrological magic, you have to find that perfect moment, which can be a couple minutes of a window at usually very early in the morning, I've gotten up so early (laughs) to do some of these talismans and you only have a certain amount of time before that aspect, that perfect combination of planetary alignments separates and you can get really complex with it. You can get kind of basic with it. It's pretty cool. Uh, the most basic, the most accessible is, you know, how we use new moons for manifesting and full moons for releasing. We're just doing things in alignment with that people who use moon water. That is a, a, a version of astrological magic because you're using the timing and the aspect of the moon to do something. Um, but for a talisman, you're creating that talisman with an image of mercury, with materials of mercury. So you're literally creating what we are as this is the perfect body for crystalline soul to inhabit. And crystalline came at the perfect time of astrological alignments to become crystalline. So I am a talisman made of crystalline materials for crystalline timing to live a crystalline life, right? And to make a crystalline impact. You are the perfect physical embodiment of Emily. So your body is your talisman. That is exactly what it needs to be to express itself in a physical world that was born with the perfect timing to do the Emily thing. And that's why I, I like to look at everybody, you know, when they say like, treat others as you would treat yourself, blah, blah, blah. I believe that. But I also believe that everybody is this perfect talisman to do what they came here to do, to function and impact the world the same way as carrying around a talisman or a little crystal. I'm having this crystal help me do things. Mm -hmm. Every person, when they interact with someone else, is also doing that because that magic of the cosmos combined with the magic here, the as above combined with the so below to create something and embody something that then goes about and makes an impact because it exists, because that mm-hmm. scale is tipped with their influence there. Uh, it's like that in Mulan, where a single grain of rice can tip the scale. You do make an impact. Every grain of rice yeah. makes an impact and contributes to the world's balance. And so for me, astrological magic is creating something that helps to move in alignment with whatever's going on. It's saying, I mark this moment and capture it kind of like a photo. And Mm -hmm. I then carry it with me so that I can remember it and, and work with it. I think a lot of magic is that, and so much of magic is kind of intention based. And I thank you for that explanation because I really think it helps make it tangible because I think a lot of people don't understand how much magic they're doing in their day-to-day life. And we just want you to apply more consciousness to it because the second you apply more consciousness to the magic you're doing. Now, the difference with magic and manifestation, manifestation is a form of magic, but it's basically being like, yo, universe, I want this thing 
bring it here. Mm-hmm. We're going to work together and I'm calling it in. I'm writing my energy is prepped. Like, let's do this thing. Magic is kind of the opposite energy. I am setting this intention. I'm working with the universe to create it, but then I'm going to cause that effect to occur. So as opposed to an opening and calling in, it's like two different energies where magic is like a push and manifestation is like a pull. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I always have interpreted it and seen the energy of. Yeah. I like that because one of the things in manifesting, you know, they talk about the steps of manifesting and one of them is making space and and Mm -hmm. holding space. And because you've created that space, you are calling in that Mm -hmm. thing that you're looking for. So it's like, I want a book. So I'm going to make a space on my shelf for where that book is going to go once I get it. And that is manifesting. I, Mm -hmm. when I wrote, um, driven fearless, my, my first nonfiction book, I talked all about how manifesting is like making a sandwich because you suddenly feel hungry. You imagine the kind of sandwich that would satisfy this hunger. You picture it in your head. You go, you pull all the ingredients together. You get a plate out, which is holding space for it. And then gradually you're putting it together aligned with this image and this urge and this feeling that you have. And it becomes a sandwich that you can then the space in your stomach is filled by that sandwich. So like the whole manifesting process is very much like the process of getting hungry and preparing yourself a meal because you're calling it in, you're feeling Mm -hmm. into it, you're addressing something according to that feeling and you allow it to happen by putting the ingredients together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's a cool analogy too. I really appreciate that um, (laughs) for manifestation. I genuinely do. And it gives a tangible reality to manifestation, which sometimes people, they're like, yeah, I want to imagine, you know, I can imagine having a new house and I can Mm -hmm. imagine being in that new house, but I can't imagine what it would feel like to be in that new house, which is oftentimes the key um for effective manifestation is you want to communicate an energy and the best and quickest energy we you know frequencies we have access to are emotional ones so mm-hmm. if you can emotionally feel like what it's going to be like to have the thing that you're looking for to be in the relationship you want or to be in that new house what does it feel like what feelings does it give you that is perfect now when it comes to the sandwich analogy like you know what hunger it feels like you know what full feels like so when you're visualizing your sandwich you're also visualizing the feeling of what it's going to taste like and how it's going to feel to be full and that is a very simple concept when it comes to making a sandwich and sometimes a little bit more abstract when it comes to manifesting yeah. a relationship or something like that i love that i think that's great <laughs> i really do <laughs> um I really, really do. My, do you have a favorite way of manifesting? Cause I have one that I love to do and it's never failed me, but I would love to hear if you have, what's uh, your go-to method. Yeah, my, I do have methods. Um, but it's funny because my husband comments on this all the time because I'll say I want something and then it just comes. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think part of that challenge oriented nature, uh, the assertiveness of my chart being so Mars and Pluto dominant is just like, I want it. And like, I've decided that and it's just going to happen. And I'm like, not thinking that it is negotiable in my head. It's like, it's non-negotiable that I'm going to get the best version of this for me. It's just a matter of how and when it shows up and just the, the lack for, for all the doubt that that Plutonian influence can sometimes bring in when I reach a certain point, it's just like, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to work until it does. So that Mars really does help. But my favorite way to manifest is either through journaling like writing a story and revealing to myself the feelings through that or, Mm -hmm. um, visualizing singing. I like singing 
what's what things are going to feel like because I can really feel the vibration of it. So I'll walk around my house singing random things. And uh, the one time my quickest manifestation and most tangible was my car. I wanted a Fiat. I don't know why, but out of nowhere, I just wanted a Fiat 500 because you've seen it. It's adorable. And I was driving a really boat, a big boat of a car at the time, and I could not stand it. So I went to a car dealership and I sat in a Fiat. So I would know what it felt like. And then after that, I would just be like, when I get my Fiat, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. When I have this, I'm going to do that. And because I knew what it felt like, it was only a matter of time before it came to reality. And literally within three weeks, it was in my price range, all that stuff. And it just worked out. So it, yes. it happens in different ways. And I like to work on allowing it to happen. I like to be surprised. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it's a little bit I like more that you highlight. <laughs> I like that you highlight singing though. I think that's yeah. a cool idea. Yeah. Singing Any sort really of, is feeling based. So yeah. Feeling based frequency work is really a lot of what singing is for sure. I am. <clears throat> kind of similar idea. I write down what I want present tense statement with a deadline always with a deadline. Mm -hmm. deadline. So oftentimes people will say things like, Oh, talk about it in the present tense, but your human brain's like, but we don't have it now. So that's a lie. And you kind of like reject that energy, which is very fair. So that's why you give it present tense with a deadline. For example, like I own a new home by the end of 2022. So yeah, you're talking about it in present tense, but it has a deadline to get to you. So your brain doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like you're lying. Um, so highly recommend that one. It'll help a lot. Also writing stuff down is kind of the same idea of capturing that moment in time with the talisman. It's you capturing your intention on the paper that you have made the space and you are ready for this thing to come to you it is in and of itself creating its own talisman. And then you want to say it like at least once a day because it renews mm-hmm. that energy over and over and over again to make sure that you're calling that stuff in and actually actively doing so um, in your highest and best, of course. Well, and to that point, like, Mm-hmm. Little kids, especially right now, everybody who's making a Christmas list, by the way, you are manifesting with a deadline mm-hmm. because you're saying, dear Santa or, or, you know, whomever you're writing this list to whatever holiday you're, you're celebrating, whatever gratitude or manifestation you might be coming up with just on your own right now, you create this list and you know that by whichever holiday you celebrate, this is going to come to pass. Mm-hmm. And that is a manifesting list and writing it down is so powerful because you see it. It's there. It's at least that is holding a space for it. You've written it down. There is a space for it to be real because your brain is now convinced that it can be tangible. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that. It's, it's such a cool thing. Yeah. That's precious. Of course, when we're kids, we do so much more magic mm-hmm. than we do when we're adults. Cause there's just less junk in our river gumming us up. Stuff yep. aren't just, just not as damned up. So yep. That episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender. So actually, even before seeing that, that was always my analogy of like, we're born with a magical river inside of us. And then as we grow, we just dam it up with as much stuff as possible. So like, if you have trauma, there go some logs. Like if you have fears, like plastic bags, like, you know, if you have a painful experience, like have a bunch of beavers. And then in the process of opening up your psychic abilities, you're healing all those things to get the junk out of your river. So your river can flow again. And mm-hmm. then of course, avatar comes in. I'm like that, that's what you yeah. do. Well, <laughs> of course, we're talking um, about it in a chakra sense, but still. Yeah. When my husband was first, um, I'm trying to understand my perspective. I was like, listen, here's how we're going to start it. You're going to watch this episode. We're going to watch avatar, the last airbender front to back. I have it memorized. Forgive me if I start quoting along with a thing like that is me. Um, but we watched that episode in particular and it just, because it's not a person telling you it's a a movie or a video or a, a, an episode just asking you to ask what if, and lean Mm -hmm. into the, um, the 
concept that perhaps this could be true. That imaginative mm-hmm. what if is a huge part of, of um, visualization and manifesting as well. Yeah. Also on the note, if you're looking for some high vibration entertainment, oh yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Period. It's incredible. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. The animated series, not necessarily the movie. Watch the animated series. First. The movie is horrendous. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can watch it, but if you've watched the series all the way through, you are going to feel the same way the cast of the animated series felt in that um, the Ember Island players episode. And I'm going to leave it at that. You'll know it when you get there. If you know, you know. <laughs> yes. You so know. So this is actually kind of just a funny antidote. So my children have watched all of Avatar The Last Airbender with us <laughs> as well. Many times. We've watched it through. I don't know how many times. And ever someone's having a bad day. That's our, that or My Little Pony are our go-to. Like, put it on. Let's watch it. Let's watch something high vibration that's going to make you feel better. Um, so after our, like, third rewatch, I was like, did you guys know there's a live action movie? And the kids are like, what? Like, we want to see so and the whole time, and they were like seven, eight, and nine at the time, I think they just ripped it apart and it was glorious because <laughs> they're children. And they're just like, that was the stupidest reaction. And why did they cast that person like that? And that's not how that happened. Like, just, and it was fantastic. So by the end of it, we were all just like cracking up, but they just full on rant reviewed the movie. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not good. Yep. Which is the same perspective again. Like, I'm pretty sure. One of them at the end of Ember Island Players, when they were walking out, were just like, that was not good. And it was written, like that whole part was before the movie even came out. I thought about like a self-fulfilling prophecy that might've been manifesting. (laughs) Your star's on the wrong side. (laughs) Yeah. Your star's on the wrong side. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all the people who are like, what? I hope that everybody watches it after this. It's available. It's out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when thinking about magic versus manifesting, and like mm-hmm. I said, I like the idea magic is a lot of push. It's not, I've cleared this space and letting this thing come to me. It's more of, no, I'm going to make this thing happen for whatever reason. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's um, for the benefit of growing a town to use a talisman <laughs> example. And sometimes yeah. people use magic genuinely to harm others. Yeah. That is the thing not- that happens. Definitely. Um, not great. <laughs> Takes a lot of effort and energy, and it will most likely reflect back onto you as well, depending upon the benevolence in which the you know the magic is used. But it is a pushing action as opposed to a clearing opening come to me sort of energy. Mm-hmm. You can do both without having consciousness around it. And I do also want to just highlight that. Um, you can easily cast magic, do magic without being conscious of it, and you can easily manifest things without being conscious of it. Both things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have so many stories of, um, just like, you know, things that happen around you that you're like, Oh my gosh, I, I kind of wished for that. I didn't mean it, but then it happened. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not necessarily that you made it happen. Like one of the cases, um, that I'm thinking of when I was a kid was just when I was younger, somebody had made fun of me in school or something like that. And I got mad at them for a moment. The next week they broke their wrist. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, did I do that? But when you look back on it, it's not that you did it, But the fact that you had that thought and then something happened does train you and educate you to be more aware and conscious with your intentions Mm -hmm. towards other people anyway. When I was learning Theta Healing, which is something Emily and I are both um, certified in, I remember my instructor said, you know, attachments and psychic hooks and things like that. Be careful even with road rage because you'll get mad at someone in particular. 
And you may accidentally just like put some of your ickier energy in their space. And then they're cranky. I remember the one time I was really irritated for some reason, for no reason at all. And I was like, why am I so mad? And Dan had been working at Bamsi. He runs a coffee shop and he was like, you know, someone did come in the other day and they were talking about how they wanted to connect with you. And they said something, I don't remember what it was, but it was very grabby. And he was like, maybe you should check that they're not like already trying to attach to you and wanting something from you. Sure enough, I went into my energy and I just released whatever that would have been. And my attitude, be it out of just deciding I was going to be better or out of releasing that energy improved. And I was not Mm -hmm. so snippy anymore and all of those things. So it's it's a good practice to consciously go in and just cleanse your space anyway, just because we are always intending and and thinking and, and, you know, they, they call it um, praying without ceasing, but you, Mm -hmm. you truly always are doing that because you're always having thoughts. You're always, you know, putting ideas out there and they do ruminate and come back to you because it is, it is a form of manifesting to think something and put it out there and then you get more of it. And it's just the same thing as positivity. If you choose to see positivity in the world, you see more positivity in the world. If you choose Mm -hmm. to see gloom and doom, which got to tell you, sometimes that is me, (laughs) um, you will see more gloom and doom. You'll see more reasons to feel gloomy and doomy. Um, so it is about perspective and intention. And that, that to me is probably more manif or more magic than manifesting in my opinion, Mm -hmm. because I'm not calling something in. I'm seeing the world in a certain way and moving with it. And I think in astrological magic, one of the things I like to uh, consider is, am I making something happen or am I honoring that there is an energy and that this energy can play out in a certain number of ways and that I choose to play it out in the way that moves smoothest for me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if magic especially in astrological magic, if this transit or this alignment is a vending machine and you have your choice of, um, soda options, which of these soda options that are the only options you have for this alignment, do you want? And you Mm -hmm. put everything together and put your quarter in and you choose this option. And that is the version that you end up getting out of the magic because you've decided to align yourself with it and actively move with it. Yes. Magic is a vending machine, you guys. Magic is a vending machine. <laughs> Are you having candy or chips? Like, do you just need some Advil that's like in the top corner and probably expired 25 years ago? <laughs> yes. Oh, love it. Yeah. No, I think that's a perfect description. I genuinely do. I do just want to highlight too, because talking about talismans and doing magic yourself, magic is about intention. Magic is about giving energy to something to have the intention of doing it. There's a ton of different ways to do magic, but touching on the astrological magic aspect, because Krista makes incredible talismans with the timings that she finds. I just want to share my most recent story. I have multiple stories from her talismans, but my most recent story, she gave me one when I was out um, for the retreat and I, it was a uh, Venus talisman and it was about like communication and relationships and that kind of thing. And uh, I brought it home and I just set it on my nightstand because that's like, you know, we, me and my husband share a bed. So it's like, that's the place where it can access both of our energies. And I quite literally completely forgot about this. Um, <laughs> and I Which just said side it note is the best way to go about things, allow it to work. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway. Totally. Um, I just really said it there. I even kind of forgot what it was even for. I was just like, yeah, I just noticed my little brass circle just sitting there, whatever. It has beautiful imagery on it, but it's just kind of there. 
And over the, like about two weeks following that, I was like, man, our communication, mine and my husband's communication, quite literally 360. Not that it was bad before, but it just got deeper and more expansive. And he showed up in different ways and I showed up in different ways. And um, a couple, I guess it was like a week or two ago, I was just like, wow, like, where is this coming from? Like, this is amazing. What's happening? And my guides were like, yo, like, it's been literally right next to your head. And I had to like, oh my gosh, that is where it came from. It was so much magical energy. So I just want to like highlight how powerful magical stuff can be, regardless of if it's a talisman or a spell or whatever it is you cast for yourself. Like the world is kind of waking up finally to the fact that magic is not pretend. And that was just a collective form of shutting our imagination off that didn't need to exist and was actually quite a large limiting belief that many people digested. Um, Mm -hmm. And understanding that is very, very real. Yeah. Well, and to, to actually address that, it's funny, they're waking up to the, the acceptance that magic is not separate from what we'd already been doing. You know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of society and culture was very predominantly of one uh, religious persuasion for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so you had things like, uh, I had brain surgery when I was 10 and this is relevant because I was inundated <laughs> with gifts at this point in time, because we told my church, please put Krista on your prayer list. She's got to have brain surgery. We're a little scared. And so the church told other churches and I was on church prayer lists across the country and I was getting stuff from all over the country. And a lot of the things that came in were like, these uh, St. Michael, the archangel prayers that come with little nails and you put it where the wound is going to be and it heals you or um, a saint medallion or, you know, Mm -hmm. all these church related things that when you say the, the uh, scripture or the prayer, along with using this tangible tool, this intention happens because you're coinciding with a greater power, calling it into this physical space, using a physical tool and Mm -hmm. words. And (laughs) I'm just like, um, you know, the more I got into astrological magic, I was like, I've seen this before. And even in astrological magic, it acknowledges a higher, a higher being. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, wow, um, this feels a lot like when I was 10 and I was, you know, using the blue beads bracelet because it, it emphasizes health and that it was my grandmother's neighbor gave me, it was supposed to be like a nail, an iron nail came with the the prayer to St. Michael, the archangel, and you would put it where the pain was. So I was always putting it on my head. Um, and you said it and it would heal you. And like that we've, we've always been doing it, but now a lot of people are coming to the fact that it can be a personal relationship with that higher power or that external force Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is feared or that we subdue ourselves for, you know, I think working with it instead of beneath it has really empowered people to reach higher levels of consciousness with it too. Yeah. It's also a simultaneous, like combining a very ancient, ancient practices that mm-hmm. still survive today and new practices that sort of mirror the energy back and forth to create something very, very new, but also ancient at the same time that we're all kind of stepping into. It's like, yeah, yeah magic surrounding us both in present day, us navigating our present reality, but also calling back to the various different ancient people that were on this planet yeah. and traditions they had. Yeah. And we're calling it magic right now, but if it makes you feel more comfortable to call it intentions or to call it ritual or prayer or Mm -hmm. whatever feels aligned with your worldview and where you're at, 
feel free to do this in your context, because again, you're the perfect talisman or the perfect um, Mm -hmm. medallion for who you're supposed to be. So your language is going to be the perfect language to use. And this is just stuff to add into that context for you. Feel Mm -hmm. free to translate it into your way of expressing it. Also, just to touch on that really, really quick, because then I do want us to get into like what's coming your way over the next week. Cause I want to make sure oh, yeah. we touch on that just a little bit. Oh um, yeah. uh, your body is 70% water. It has been both mm. scientifically and energetically proven that when you program water with words, it changes the chemical structure of the water to have different crystalline structures, yeah. all sorts of different things. I had the honor of interviewing a woman named Aileen Orwig, and she works exclusively mm-hmm. with I know, um, with essentially water magic for the lack of a better term, but she is a scientist. She's a doctor. She has very many degrees in this, but also talks about a lot of the science that has been lost around water because it's so very powerful. So if you can put the word love on a plant and have it grow more than if you put the word hate on a plant, you're the same way. And so a lot of our magic comes from the fact of the way we treat and speak about ourselves and the words we use that feel good to us, because that is resonating with your water. So keep that in mind as well, I guess is the best way. I got on that. It reminds me of uh, be the person your dog thinks you are, but like treat yourself the way you would treat your plants. <laughs> oh no, don't because so many people are like I kill all my plants. Like don't the way you would. I, yeah. Nurture yourself the way you would nurture something you want to live and thrive. <laughs> uh-huh, there we go. There we go. Or just give yourself the words, you know, like that same idea of writing down your manifestations or writing down your intentions. Or if you want to make magic happen, know that you absolutely can. And half of it is the words you use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, this is actually very relevant to uh, some interesting aspects we do have coming up this week. Uh, if, if we're ready to move into those, I'm happy to jump yeah. in. Cause I am Let's, interested. Yeah. I, I've felt into some of the energy we're coming up with this week and I'm interested to see how your interpretation of the energy also comes out. Cause I look at the aspects because I love astrology, but I also like reading the energy. And I love also the way Emily, that you read the energy because it's just, you always come up with really great words. So I'm looking forward to seeing, oh. especially this first one. I want to talk about what the energy feels like to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very similar to when we were talking about that Venus Jupiter conjunction coming up later in the year in 2022, this is, this is an interesting energy. And I say interesting because it's pretty. But this is one of those things where you're deciding if what you're pulling out of this vending machine. And so I really Mm -hmm. want to talk about it. Another option, if you don't like the vending machine analogy, it's a bookshelf. If magic is a bookshelf, which of the books are you going to pull down and read? Um, So we have, I don't normally talk about the quarter moons on the podcast just because you know, the moon does a different phase every week. And I like to talk about the major lunations because those are the ones that people use the most for manifesting and releasing. But we do have a first quarter moon in Pisces conjunct Neptune this week. Mm -hmm. I believe it's uh, later on this week on the 10th. So on the 10th, which when, when is this episode? The day after this episode comes out, um, the moon will be having a square with the sun. That's the first quarter. That's what it means. So if it's on a clock and new moon is at noon, then we're at three o'clock. We'll put it that Mm -hmm. way. So what we're looking at is the moon conjunct Neptune in Pisces is very, uh, you could take it or as dreamy, you could take it as, uh, overwhelming, like, Uh, mentally overwhelming. So this is the way that I would recommend leaning into it and taking it as dreamy, using it for magic, using it for intuition and saying, Hey, I see this energy and I want the highest form of it that I can have in my life. So rather Mm -hmm. than reacting to the feeling of being out of control, 
act with the feeling of infinite potential. And so one of the ways that I've been seeing this is if you're exploring the stillness and the solitude before motion, it's like when the tide goes out and you know, it's going to come in, but you go out and you experience the stillness that happens before the water comes back in. And Mm -hmm. that to me is, is what we're kind of feeling right now. So we're learning a lot about, um, exploring and experiencing ourselves this month. And that in some ways can feel very isolating, but also one of the the best ways to honor your own energy and kind of reframing self-care the way that you were talking about earlier. And I'd love to rebrand self-care with a new term if you have a, mm-hmm. an, a suggestion, but learning to honor yourself can begin with being on your own for a second, being with your own thoughts for a second, listening to your thoughts and your own intuitions and who you are without the influence of someone else impressing upon you any burdens or obligations. This week is really giving us that opportunity to explore what that feels like. And it can feel like an echoing cavern, but I encourage you to write it out, to lean into it, to listen to some good music, play a video game, read a book, any of those things that put you in a a space that you can feel comfortable with yourself. What does that kind of feel yeah. like for you? <clears throat> my self brand or my rebranding of self-care is to exist on purpose. Love it. Um, do you mind if I start because, using that in uh, oh, horoscopes? Go for it. Thank Absolutely. You. Go for it. But yeah, no, that's, that's always my go-to is today. You need to exist on purpose, which means mm-hmm. that's however you want to exist. That makes you feel like you're existing. Do that with intention. Um, it's interesting with that, the energy, the first thing that I heard when I was looking at this energy yesterday, when I was like tuning into it or trying to <laughs> for everything I was going on, um, was that it's big changes that create infinite potential, which is exactly the word that you used, which I thought was really funny. Like, yep. Um, both in a personal level, a lot of people are going to have big changes this week in their personal lives, just oh, yeah. really, really big changes, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. I don't want you to think it's going to be a bad thing because it does create infinite potential. It's big changes with the purpose of you getting to decide which directions you'd like to go in mm-hmm. period. So yeah. that is a meat. That's as far as my input of what I thought the energy of this week would cause that. <laughs> yeah. And that is even more important. It's funny. Our aspects this week do show up one day after another. So on the 10th, we have that moon conjunct Neptune happening to square the sun, which is really activating it. When planets interact with each other, they're doing something rather than just mm-hmm. being the moon. It's the moon interacting with the sun, interacting with Neptune. So there's a lot mm-hmm. more of a conversation happening on the 11th, the next day, which I believe is Saturday. Venus will conjoin Pluto for the first of, I believe, three times because she's also about to go retrograde. So she's going to, Venus is going to moonwalk. And I say that because according to our perspective from earth, it's going to look like she's moving backwards. So she's at uh, ironically, 26 degrees of Capricorn. And she will mm-hmm. be, con- well, she's going to be at 26. I think she's at 25 because that's where Pluto's hanging out right now. So she'll be conjoining with Pluto in Capricorn. And then when she goes retrograde on the 19th, which we'll go into a little bit more later, and there's a lot more uh, description on this in the astrological forecast video on the Alchemist Inc. YouTube, mm-hmm. which is super fun. But in this one, Venus love, valuables, um, abundance, joy, those kinds of things, uh, sometimes can look at money as being valuables, things that are of value, um, which is also your relationships. If you think about them that way, like the way that you Mm -hmm. love people shows how you value is going to conjoin with Pluto. 
Pluto is transformation. And I know that that word is getting a little bit overused lately. So Pluto is the death and rebirth cycle. Pluto is the underworld process that between of something has ended so that something else can begin. It's the ultimate space holder. Um, It's like a blend between the tower card and the death card in tarot. It absolutely, yeah, a lot like that. So it will deconstruct Mm -hmm. something. And the deconstruction phase, we're all like, oh no, our table. But what we end up with is now we get to get a new table. Now we get a table that can actually fit everybody who needs a seat. You know, that kind of situation where the opportunity becomes a lot better than the thing which was apparently lost, but it wasn't lost. It just created space for something better. That's more aligned with who we are now. So our relationships may be changing. Mm-hmm. And that is our relationship with money, our relationship with energy, our relationship with what places, what we place value in, um, and your priorities show what you place value in. So this is an opportunity. You may notice this in your relationships simply because Venus is the goddess of love, right? Um, mm-hmm. you may notice this in your relationship. It's one of the reasons that and the fact that Emily, your chart is Venus ruled that I suggested um, maybe giving you one of those Venus talismans just because it aligns with your energy so well. And this experience that we're about to enter into is a time of really reacquainting ourselves and up-leveling our, our emotional relationships with each other. Sometimes I'm not going to sugarcoat a relationship may end because it's not for your highest and best, but if it does, You can take the time and the energy you need to process that. I'm not telling you to just skip to the next best thing because you're going to create trauma if you ignore your feelings. So um, previous traumas may come up to to be unearthed, so to speak, to be addressed, Mm -hmm. and then to be actually put to rest after they're integrated. I think that's a a huge thing. So if you're Mm -hmm. noticing in your relationships, things getting a little bit spiky or spicy, Just be aware that this is how this energy is showing up for you. And then you can consciously say, I choose to make this a transformative energy, a a transcendent energy even, and to take our relationship to the next level. This is an opportunity for us to dig into each other deeper, understand each other on a deeper level, and then rise to a new level of consciousness together. It is that kind of thing. It's no one's fault, whatever comes up, but it is Mm -hmm. your, um, it is an empowering energy for you to know who you are in a relationship, to hold any boundaries that you need to hold and to honor what the other person needs. However, that shows up. Are you getting what you need? Are they getting what they need? Can there be a compromise, a balance, a sharing of that? And if not, how can you be individuals? And you know, how can that be fulfilled in the highest and best way? So that's an important thing. On the same day as this, Mercury does form a sextile with Jupiter. So that is an opportunity to really expand our conversations, especially while, um, Mercury is currently in Sagittarius. So Jupiter rules Sagittarius. It's just a little bit extra Sagittarius oomph there, um, ruled by Jupiter saying, Hey, again, Jupiter to me is the, um, the ghost of Christmas present. So it's come in and know me better, man. And I love that. Right. Especially for Venus conjunct Pluto, know me better, come in, let's have a conversation and let's know each other better. So that's my longer spiel on the 11th and the the conjunction between Venus and Pluto, which is going to be a theme throughout the end of uh, the end of uh, probably sometime in February, I will say, because that's the last time she'll interact with Pluto once she goes direct again at the end of January. Yeah, I feel all of that. (laughs) So, so directly. No, and I think you summarized that really well. And the energy is, 
I hate when people have like a negative connotation around retrogrades because they're not. It's just like the planet is not forcing the energy. It's taking it away, I guess, is mm-hmm. the best way to describe it <laughs> when I look at it. So as opposed to Venus be like moving things forward for you and pushing things forward, it's not like, well, you don't get any of my stuff right now. Or it's, you know, it's sitting back over here and you have to see how you exist without that playing so much of a part into your space. And you know, like when you think about it on Mercury retrograde, which is the most tangible, which we're not in, don't worry. I don't want to trigger not anybody yet. like, oh, no, it's <laughs> happening. It's not happening. Um, but if Mercury governs things like trans- transportation and technology and health and those kind of things, and then all of a sudden it goes retrograde. So the, the energy pushing those things forward kind of takes a back seat. That's when all of the stuff comes up yeah. for us to work through. Yeah. So. Well, and you just gave me a great image too. Venus um, is very aesthetic, right? So imagine if you're a painter and you're painting all the details. And then during retrograde, you take a step back mm-hmm. and you assess the picture as a whole. And then when it goes direct again, you fix all the things that you notice that could be added to. That's yeah. how we can look at it, especially in a Venus situation. Yeah. So amazing, um, mm-hmm. amazing uh, perspective. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, I can only speak to it because I am Venus ruled and I feel yeah. very intimately connected to her. Um mm-hmm. Even in retrograde, I'm like, you're so lovely. I like you so much. <laughs> I don't like, I love it's that. not like she's mean. She's kind. She's just moving backwards a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. So, well, guys, this has been a lot, but it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Hang in there. Again, choose which book you want to read or choose which snack you want to get from the vending <laughs> machine. You have the magic to do that. Um, if you guys have any questions on anything we talk about, the best place to submit said questions would be to comment on the YouTubes of this because we do mm-hmm. see those and we can actually actively answer them there or address them maybe in a future podcast or whatever. You can also email us if you feel aligned to do so or forgotten stories at forgotten, <laughs> forgotten storytellers at gmail.com. Um, so if you want to email us, if you don't want to comment on the YouTube, that is another way to do it. But that is the way we recommend. If you check, want to check out our YouTube, see us talking, um, you can do that. And also just ask your questions in that space. But yeah, it's really fun to get to do this for you guys. So yeah. thank you for giving yeah. us the space. <laughs> we love the questions because again, it gives us something to talk about that's going to be meaningful to you directly. And that's just so much cooler than anything else. I just love that we can provide direct value. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we hope that you guys have a wonderful week and that you're nursing your eclipse hangovers well. Mm -hmm. And we encourage you to go go make make some some magic. magic.